Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to episode 33, a.k.a. Patrick Waugh, of Keeping Up With The Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN for exclusive offers. This is your co-host of the pod, Tyler Bell, coming from the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada, and just like always, joined by fellow co-host of the pod, Alec Durham. Man, how are you doing this weekend, buddy? I am fucking shaking in my boots, Tyler. I am so nervous for this game tonight. Oh, yeah, that's right. We have a full weekend here of uh, some Game 7s, of course. Uh, we had three awesome ones uh, yesterday. But uh, tonight, dude, your Pittsburgh Penguins are, uh, you know, facing a big Game 7 themselves. So I, I uh, wouldn't be surprised if you're crapping your pants today a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they've gotten a little further than both of us expected them to, me especially. I had them out in five games. I'm glad they're just shoving that down my throat. The longer I get to watch this team's greatness, the better. (laughs) Yeah, and I don't blame you there. And man, oh man, has it been just an awesome uh, Stanley Cup uh, playoff so far. Tons of exciting hockey. I mean, when you look at it, five of the seven or five of the eight series, sorry, have gone to game sevens already. Um, that's why we love this, this sport, man. Hockey is just the best. You don't see that in, uh, any other professional sport out there, just how close the first round of action can be like that. It's, it's unbelievable, man. No, I mean, we talked about it before the, it started, right? We thought everybody in the East had just as good a chance to 
go to the cup final as they do to lose in the first round. And I mean, we were a Washington goal away from every first round series in the East going seven games. I know that's pretty unbelievable when you think about it, eh? So um, pretty exciting stuff, man. We got tons to talk about on this episode. And uh, first things first, though, we're going to start by uh, talking about some NHL draft lottery results that happened about five days ago, five days ago on uh, May 10th there, because uh, some craziness kind of happened there, Durham. Yeah, I mean, New Jersey moves up from fifth to second, winning again in the freaking lottery. Are you serious? Bumping back Arizona, our boys Seattle, and Philadelphia one spot. Yeah, and ultimately uh, Montreal takes that number one spot this year and uh, basically win those Shane Wright sweepstakes. So uh, now that we know the Kraken are going to be picking at number four this year, now we could uh, kind of set our sights on who they're going to draft, who we think they're going to draft, um, what may be the best options for them. Are they going to go best player available? I certainly hope so myself, um, but it's going to be very interesting, especially if uh, there's a maybe a curveball in the top three of how the, those three picks uh, go. So that could really determine what happens with that fourth pick for the Seattle Kraken and who Ron Francis ultimately takes. So um, just curious, man, do you have uh, any thoughts on who they may be taking right off the bat? I think they, regardless of who's available, you have to go best player available. You know what I mean? Like this yeah, team's he, in their second draft. You pick the best player you can at fourth overall Re- position does not matter. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you there. Um, it's all about picking that best player available. And uh, who do you think that best player available is going to be? I think it's going to come down to one of the defensemen or possibly Kemel could be there. Depends if, you know, Francis wants to get a pretty dynamic winger, another player for Beneers to play with up front, or if he wants a potential franchise defenseman in Nemec or Jiracek. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably the case right there. I I wouldn't be surprised if we see one of Nemec or Juracek, uh going fourth overall to the Kraken. It would make sense, especially now that you have your franchise centerman up front with Matty Beneers, and we're all aware of just how good and skilled Matty Beneers is, and he's going to be an absolute stud for many, many years for this hockey team. So they, they have an opportunity to take, you know, a very, very high-skilled competitive defenseman who could turn out to be your franchise defenseman. I mean, that's definitely the hopes when you're drafting at fourth overall. So, I mean, there's Nemec, there's Juracek, what about a little debate here? Which one do you think you would take if you were in that position? Oh, I'm not. Oh, this one feels like a coin toss to me. I, you know, it kind of feels like a cop out saying that, but they're both just so great at different things, right? Like Jurisex, I think going to be a little bit of a better two-way player, a bit more solid physically. Whereas Nemec has that bit more of a, he's not a Makar, but a bit more of a Makar feel to him where he's just going to be a bit more dynamic and puck moving. I think I would lean Nemec just for the possibility of having a point of game defenseman. Yeah, he uh, definitely brings more dynamics to his offensive game. Um, you take a look at some of his highlights too. And and again, Nemec, he is what, six foot one. So you're getting a high, high skilled offensive defenseman. Uh, and, and he's not a small body or anything like that either. Right. So, um, kind of the best of both worlds and his skating is so fantastic 
I mean, I was watching some of his highlights just recently on on YouTube. There's a lot of good breakdowns, and uh, it it just seems like this guy doesn't even know what color of the puck is because his head is always up and he's always skating that puck out of his zone and creating. Um, but then, you know, to the flip side, like you said, you're a check there. He's a much bigger defenseman and he uses his body well. And I think he has the advantage on the defensive side for sure. He seems to be the better defensive defenseman there. Um, and I would argue too, that he actually has a better shot from the point and is able to rip those pucks a little better than Nemich does. He's not much of a, a goal scorer there, but um, it, it, either way, if you pick one of these defensemen, that is going to be an absolute win in my books. Uh, they're both looking like uh, they're going to be in the NHL for tons of years to come. And I don't think you can go wrong with either one of these. Yeah. I think they're both going to be steady. Number one, like top pair D. And if they both hit their potential, then whoever gets them is walking away, just giggling. Yeah, exactly. Um, here's a little bit of a scenario. Say one of them gets taken in the top three. Um, you potentially have a pick at Logan Cooley, maybe Uraj Slavkovsky, somebody like that falls down to a number four spot. Do you see the Seattle Kraken taking one of them? I think I could definitely see them taking either of them if they're available at four. Yeah, I think so too. I think more so Logan Cooley. I think he has um, just more potential to be the better player. Slavkovsky, of course, the big body guy that we've uh, pumped his tires and looks like a, a top three pick for sure. But um, I know there's some questions about his offensive game and what exactly that'll turn into when he gets to you know the NHL level. Um, so I, there could be some potential that that could scare off some teams. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But um, yeah, next episode, we're definitely going to be doing a big mock draft for that episode. We're going to be doing the top 16. So we're going to do a bit of a consensus, put both of our picks together and come up with a consensus for the top 16. And then we'll have a kind of an idea of where we think all of those prospects are going to go. So uh, what do you think about that? I love it. You know, I'm a draft nerd. Yeah. Oh, big time. So it's going to be pretty exciting. Um, but moving right along here, Durham, uh, we got a bit of Seattle crack in off season news already beginning here and starting things off with, uh, last week, the Kraken signed Finnish defensive prospect Petro Sapala to a three year entry level contract worth an average annual value of 762000 So this one kind of came out of left field here. What do you think? I like it. I mean, anytime you can get a free prospect, you don't have to use a draft pick or trade for it. It's a great thing, right? Especially if he looks like a bit of a late bloomer. You know, didn't put up a whole lot of offense coming up, but then had a really great year in the league of this year with 29 points in 57 games and continued that into the playoffs where everybody knows it gets so much harder to score with eight assists, 15 games. Yeah, and he already brings a lot of uh, experience to his pro hockey because he's played the last three seasons uh, in the Liga. So you, when you have that experience already starting from a 19-year-old, um, that's awesome. And he actually did play six games as an 18-year-old as well. Didn't get any points, but uh, that experience does go a long way and, and for sure has helped him grow as a player. But uh, yeah, even Ronnie Francis had some words to say about him, uh, saying he's a young defenseman who skates well and has offensive upside. 
and that you know he's proven himself in the highest ranks in Finland, and we're excited to be adding him to our organization. So, you know, obviously Ron Francis had his eye on him, and uh, you know they're stoked to get this guy. And it'll be interesting because those are pretty impressive numbers he had, like you said, in that 2021-2022 season where he put up 29 points in 57 games. That ranked him 12th among all defensemen in the Liga, so not too too bad for a 21 year old, and. Yeah, he also had those eight points in 15 playoff games, which was actually second on his team in uh, in points. So pretty impressive numbers there. And, you know, he's not a small guy. He's listed as 6'2", 192 pounds. So he's got good size to him. And at just 21 years old, there's so much room here to grow. Um, he is a left-handed shooter, which, you know, I know the Kraken have a lot of right now. And I'd, I'd like to see some right-handers getting targeted but anytime you can add a prospect like this for free into your system that's a win for sure um so what do you think is going to happen uh come train uh the training camp and and uh what do you expect to see out of him well ultimately i expect them to not really thrust him into the nhl right they'll see how he kind of plays in camp and if he needs time to you know adjust to the north american sized ranks then he's going to have a year in the ahl probably i think that's most likely best case scenario for him be the guy down there kind of getting used to everything rather than thrown into the wolves. And it makes sense. I mean, uh, you know, the Kraken are going to have, you know, their first full year of just their prospects in the AHL of coat, of course, for uh, Coachella Valley firebirds there. So they're going to have to keep stockpiling their team down there. So definitely are going to expect to see some more signings like this happening to help stockpile that AHL team. But I think, yeah, there's no reason why you need to rush this guy right away, but don't be surprised if he makes some noise in training camp in preseason and, and maybe earns himself a, a spot on the starting roster. I don't think that is uh, out of the que- or out of the books here for him. I think there's potential that he could possibly make this team out of train out of training camp. What do you think? I definitely think so too. I mean, there's a number of depth left-handed defensemen on the Kraken, right? So if he's able to outplay the majority of them, then why not give him a shot? Yeah, exactly. And uh, again, he's played three years of pro hockey already. And uh, the league is no joke of a league. Uh, It's one of the top ones in the world. And of course, the best one in Finland there where a lot of great hockey players come out of. So uh, exciting to see him get signed here with the Seattle Kraken. And uh, they also did re-sign Max McCormick, of course, uh, a player they've had this past season. And he gets re-signed to a two-year, two-way contract. And again, this is, you know, you're bringing back a guy you're familiar with who can get called up, who can play that fourth-line role like we talked about in, in earlier pods, Durham. And this is just making sure that you have bodies coming back. So uh, what do you think of this one? I think it's exactly just like you said, you know, they're going to have their first full season of having their AHL teams. And honestly, I think this might just be trying to fill that roster out with good players. Like you said, guys that can go between the NHL and the AHL tweeners. They might be called by some. So, yeah, I think it's just a good depth signing for the organization. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, They're going to have to get bodies on that team. So why not bring a 
bring a guy back that you're familiar with in Max McCormick. And uh, he's a bit of a scrappy player too, isn't he? he he's come up, he, he plays a physical game, even though he's a little bit of an undersized player. If you, if you look at the averages in the NHL, but he certainly doesn't play uh, like he has that small frame. He's out there banging bodies around and uh, he likes to drop the mitts too, and get into a couple scraps too. So, uh, he's an exciting player to watch, but uh, he's not going to be much more than that fourth line player if he is with the big squad. I think uh, you know most of his hockey is going to be played at that AHL level, but uh, there's nothing wrong with that at all, is there? No, absolutely not. Still making a living playing the game, right? Exactly, living the dream. And yeah, there's also the uh, the World Championships going on Durham, and there's a number of Kraken players representing their countries in those World Championships. So again, that's pretty exciting to see. Uh, do you want to list off some of those players who are uh, representing their countries? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we got Dreger and Geeky in for Canada over there. Adam Larson for the Swedes. Carson Kuhlman's playing for the States, you know, the US of A. And of course, the German gentleman playing for, you guessed it, Germany. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So that just started a few days ago. I believe it was May 13th when uh, the first game started. So that tournament's fresh and and just off and running right now. And uh, so far, there hasn't really been any uh, anything exciting happening. I mean, the States have played a couple games. Canada has played a couple games. Sweden's played one so far. Um, but we got no points so far for any of our players. Um, but Grubauer did pick up a big win. So, so that's pretty exciting to see. And, um, you know, Germany isn't going to be, uh, a team that gets stepped on in this tournament this year. They got a lot of great firepower there. Uh, of course, the German gentleman backing that team up. And then you got, you know, a couple of young studs too, in Mo Sider and Tim Stutzla. So, uh, Germany is going to be a pretty exciting team to keep an eye on. But like we said, things are just getting underway there. Uh, in the world championships. So uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that and seeing how our boys do. Yeah, it's definitely going to be fun to watch the next going, you know, couple of weeks. Seattle may be done, but our players aren't. So we still have something to cheer for. Exactly. Yeah, no kidding. But uh, let's turn our attention to what's been going on in the Stanley Cup playoffs, man. It has been so damn exciting so far. And uh, is there a series that you want to start things off with? Well, I think we might as well uh, go with what was the quickest one, you know, Colorado sweeping Nashville. Yeah, this one, uh, you know, I think I had Colorado in five and I think you nailed this and you said Colorado in four. So, uh, yeah, why don't you take this one over? Because you guessed it right. Yeah, well, I mean, Colorado, thank you for that, by the way. You were just one game off. If Nashville's goaltending wasn't hurt, probably would have been five. But speaking of Nashville's goaltending, how about that Ingram kid? Oh, my gosh. Unbelievable. When he stepped in there after uh, after they got blown out in game one and he took over the net in game two, that ended up being their, their closest game. Colorado took that game two, 2-1 in overtime. And, man, Ingram was unbelievable. And you have to think going into next season, they're going to be running with Saros as their starter and Ingram as their backup. And that's going to be a deadly duo for that Nashville team. Oh, exactly. I mean, how can you not reward the kid after he carried you guys for the playoffs? Like him and Yossi, Duchesne had a pretty good series as well. They were the guys for that. Yeah, and they tried, man. But like we said, this Colorado team is just 
completely stacked and unbelievable. I mean, you look at that goal Kale McCarr scored, uh, where he came in and just just popped it top shelf there. Just just amazing stuff. And yeah, there really wasn't any chance for Nashville to win this series. I mean, Colorado gets the sweep. I mean, the one game does go to overtime, but other than that, you know, Colorado scored seven in game one. They scored seven in game three in a seven, three win. And then they beat them five, three in that game four. So they absolutely took it to Nashville and uh, yeah, no shockers there. Let's just say that. Right. Yeah. I think the only uh, shocker for Nashville would be Forsberg and Johansson. They combined for one goal and two assists. Yeah, that was uh, not the best from them. And uh, you've seen Forsberg kind of saluting the crowd and, and right at the end of that series and looked like it was pretty obvious that uh, he's probably going to be on his way out of Nashville, it's, it looks like. I think it makes sense. You know, time for everybody to kind of just move on there. Yeah, and especially when you can go somewhere, you know, you're in free agency. He's going to be one of the most sought-after players this summer, and he's going to get a good payday. Oh, yeah, he's going to be one of the top forwards available, so he's going to get compensated for it, that's for sure. Yeah, big time. He might be uh, bringing in one of the biggest paychecks of all free agent players this summer, no doubt about that. But, yeah, Colorado advancing to the second round, no shocker there, is there? No, not at all. I think... uh... Yeah, just everyone expected it. Yeah. Why don't we move along to, uh, you know, continue in the West right here. And, uh, you know, St. Louis ends up taking it against Minnesota in six games. And we both had Minnesota taking it in seven. But uh, let's talk about this series for a second because uh, the St. Louis Blues end up pulling through and getting the win in six. Yeah, I mean, like you said, this was one neither of us really expected. We both thought Minnesota was going to take it there. But, uh, you know, the telling things here, pretty even strength, pretty even, even strength scoring. Like Minnesota had 10, St. Louis 11. The penalty kills and power plays was what broke this series apart. St. Louis had twice as many power play goals as Minnesota, including that first game, the Perron, and they got a Hattie there, right? Yeah, that's right. Yep. And then it was goaltending. Like, as soon as they put Bennington in, St. Louis just looked dominant. Whereas, you know, Fleury kind of, he kind of struggled like he wasn't the flurry that we were used to where he was absolutely dominant. And I thought it took a little long to go to Talbot, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was an interesting series, man. Like we've um, seen some goaltending switches from both teams, um, which I guess was most likely expected at some point, but you take a look at the scores in this series, man, the closest game was a five, two victory. Uh, and that happened twice. So uh, there wasn't really a close game. It, it was a very interesting. Eh? It, was, it was kind of blowouts for each team whenever they won. You know, nothing ended up being very, very close. But uh, definitely exciting series. I expected it to be a bit more closer in the games. But like you said, St. Louis's power play, that put them over the top. And Minnesota just did not have an answer for it. And, you know, you look back at some of the uh, the footage from the games, like they Minnesota was just collapsing in their own end every time St. Louis had a power play and they just could not cover anybody. It seemed so uh, that definitely cost them the series there. And, you know, unfortunate to, to not have Mark Andre Fleury move on, but um, you know, maybe he resigns there next season. Well, we'll see how that plays out, but uh, it was an exciting series. None, nonetheless. 
yeah, it was definitely an exciting series, but something that killed Minnesota and we were actually talking about before the podcast here was we got to shout out Kaprizov, right? Like seven goals in the series, just disgusting for Minnesota. Here's mm-hmm. the shitty part about that. So Kaprizov scores seven goals. Every other forward for the Minnesota Wild combined for seven goals. You can't have that and expect to win a series. You, yeah, you, no, no doubt you cannot have that. I mean, when one player alone is scoring half your team's goals in six games, that's just unbelievable. You got to feel bad for Kaprizov, man. He put in such an, such an amazing effort that series. Um, and yeah, we're going to have a, a different looking Minnesota team next season. Um, you know, a lot of these kids on entry level deals are going to get big shots at playing high in the lineup and taking on big roles next season because, you know, they're going to be pushed tight to, you know, their cap restrictions with the buyouts of Zach Parise and Ryan Suter. So uh, definitely going to be a much younger looking Minnesota team come next season. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what kind of bounce back they can have and if they have a shot at getting back into those playoffs. What do you think happens with Fiala? He's gone in the series. Yeah, and uh, so he had no goals, and I believe if you look at last year, too, he he had another brutal playoffs, which you have to take in consideration at least a little bit, but I still think one team is going to be paying, you know, a big price to acquire him uh, in the offseason, and that could be, you know, the Ottawa Senators. There's there's teams out there. I think New Jersey was, was really going to be gunning for them with their draft pick. But now that they've moved up to that second overall spot, I think they're holding on to that pick and they're going to take uh, somebody in the draft instead of moving that uh, that draft pick to try to acquire him because word was that they were really big on Fiala. So, you know, maybe they try to make another deal happen with other prospects that they may have uh, and other assets. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I definitely 100% think that Kevin Fiala will be gone and... Uh, he's going to get a nice payday because he had an unbelievable regular season. And at the end of the day, that's going to entice teams to make that trade and then, you know, give him a big contract because he's an RFA right now. So whatever team's going to acquire him, you can no doubt, um, like he will for sure get a deal of five, six, seven, eight years. Um, it'll, it'll be a long-term deal that he signs with a team for sure. I think. Oh, I think so too. There's going to be someone that fully believes in what he brings and they're going to sign him to. I could see like a six by seven, seven and a half, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. He's going to be right around that seven, seven million dollars per year. Um, it could be something like a six year, seven million per season type of contract. That's kind of the ballpark that I would put him in. And uh, what do you think the package is going to be to acquire him? I think it's going to be a high first, probably someone who, you know, maybe Columbus thinks they're trying to push for next year. They've got multiple picks. They can afford to move one and then a decent prospect. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think too. And uh, don't be shocked too. If maybe you see a goaltender in that package as well, Um, more, more of a backup goaltender, I will say that, but I think they'll, they'll either try to acquire a goaltender in that trade or no doubt they'll have to pick one up in free agency. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Yeah. But uh, moving right along, we had a 
big, big game seven last night and a big comeback win in game six and game seven for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, what a series that was with the Kings, eh? Super, super close that it ends up coming down to. And uh, yeah, give me your thoughts on this one, man. This was uh, one of my favorite series I watched this playoff so far. Yeah, it was a great series. Like, it's funny to say, like, it'd be close and back and forth. And, like, everyone would agree with that. And there was two huge blowout wins, right? Like, just the way the playoffs have gone this year, it's kind of funny. Everyone that's win has won by a few other than you get mm-hmm. real late in the series. And it's like, all right, let's clamp her down. But obviously, mm-hmm. you had your big boys step up for Edmonton there. I mean, McDavid had 14 points. Kane had seven goals. Dreisaitl playing injured in game seven. Ends the series with five goals, too. Mike Smith out of his mind, most saves in the playoffs right now for a goaltender. Yep. A big nine thirty-eight save percentage for him through uh, seven games so far. So the 40 year old man is not looking 40 years old. He's kind of reminds me of uh, 2006 a bit, uh, you know, when they had Dwayne Rolison and at his age, what he was able to accomplish in the playoffs. Maybe we'll see shades of that, but with uh, Mike Smith this year. Wouldn't that be something that would definitely just get, you know, Western Canada fired up? Oh, big time. Yeah, but this was just a great series. And I got to give LA all the credit here because they played lights out and they played their hearts out and they battled and competed and make it. They made it so tough for this Edmonton team uh, to get through the first round here. Uh, And they came up with a couple big, big overtime wins, of course, two games or sorry, just the one game that went to overtime in game five and then game one there where they, uh, they scored late and won it four three. So, um, yeah, cre- all the credit to, uh, to LA here. And, uh, let's give, uh, Dustin Brown a little congratulations too on his career because, uh, what a career it was. Yeah, he was great. You know, just a physical force for the LA Kings for years, right? Like when they went for those runs, he was a huge part of it in both ends of the ice too. Yep, captaining the team too. So, um, you know, he was a leader for for a long time there in LA. And then, you know, at one point the captaincy gets handed over to Anze Kopitar and and it made sense, right? He just emerged as that natural leader for that team. And, and Dustin Brown was, uh, you know, not not getting worse and worse but you you understand kind of why it happened right yeah it was wasn't really like a changing of the guard onto like you know passing the torch from the old guys to the young guys it was like hey just we kind of need a new voice to run the room now and you're still going to be a part of the leadership group and obviously he was like you saw how everyone reacted when they found out it was his final run right like they stepped up and pushed for him yeah, yeah. So, you know, credit to him. He had a fantastic NHL career. And uh, yeah, what a series it was. I'm very glad to see Edmonton moving on, of course. And, uh, you know, going on to that last series in the Western Conference here, we are going to a Game 7. And that Game 7 is tonight between the Flames and the Stars. And this series has probably been the closest of any series so far and just tight games with low scoring and, uh, you know, bit shocking. But again, you got to give Dallas credit, man. They have been battling. What, what's your thoughts on this one so far? Who is who is taking game seven tonight? Oh, man. Frick, I don't know. It's so tight. Like you mentioned how close this is, right? They both have seven even strength goals and two power play goals. Yeah. Yeah. Like (laughs) that's pretty mind blowing. And we're six games in, 
Both teams have seven even strength goals. There has not been a lot of goals in this series. eh? It's pretty much hit the under uh, in almost every game. Yeah, like this is definitely a series you want to bet the under every single game. It's just yeah. a goalie battle, just dominant play from both guys. Absolutely disgusting. And based on the uh, the three game sevens we seen yesterday, all low scoring games as well, you can almost guarantee this game seven is going to be very similar to that. Yeah, especially considering how the series has gone already. Like you're not going to get a lot by either Oettinger or Markstrom. They're both playing dominant hockey right now. Everyone, both Dallas and Calgary, that's their style too. Just kind of lock it down, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and that's what they have to do to try to win this game seven tonight. Uh, they've done a really, really good job of shutting down Calgary's top players. And that's what you kind of had to do to try to win this series. I mean... Calgary took game one, one nothing. Dallas turns around, shuts them out, and wins two nothing next game. Uh, you know, and then, you know, by everyone's surprise, Dallas pulls through and and wins four two in game three. Then, you know, Calgary answers right back, wins four one in Dallas to take game four. You know, it goes to Calgary. They win three one, another close battle, and then jumps into, you know, game six in Dallas, and then they take a huge game four to two and and now we're back in calgary for the final game tonight yeah this is a this is a coin flip i think you know and these goalies have just been unreal just playing out of their heads and we expected that from markstrom especially with the season he had but uh the way otinger's playing oh my lanta just can't believe it eh yeah he's definitely having a run and like a statement for he's the guy next year yeah, you're going into a game seven and uh, your save percentage is at 954. That's amazing. Yeah, he's definitely going to be relied on going into this game seven. And honestly, I think whichever team wins it tonight is going to be who gets their secondary scoring guys going. Like for Dallas, mm-hmm. you've got Klingberg and Ben, Jamie Ben without a goal still. For Calgary, you've got Matthew Kachuk and Tyler Toffoli, both still without a goal. Mm-hmm. Whichever team's able to get those guys going, he's going to fucking pull her out tonight. Yeah, it might be, uh, you know, whoever can bring the offense between either Johnny Gaudreau, who's got six points so far for Flames leading their team, and uh, Joe Pavelski, who's got five points for that Dallas Stars team leading their team, uh, which is which is pretty incredible how he continues to get it done at his age, man. Pavelski uh, is just an amazing player and he always gets it done in the playoffs, man. He always steps up. He never disappoints. It's man. Joe Pavelski is just unbelievable. Captain America, baby. Yeah. Captain America. So pretty excited for that game, but uh, why don't we uh, bring it over to the Eastern conference now? Because, You know, the Florida Panthers get brought into a game six against the Caps and end up taking it in what was a pretty tight series as well. So let's recap that one, Durham. What's your thoughts on it? Well, it was definitely a tighter series than I thought it was going to be. You know, I kind of expected Florida to just dismantle Washington after watching them play Tampa Bay last year. And they just, they kind of did, but kind of didn't. Like, you look at the even strength goals, Florida outscores Washington 19 to 10 at even strength. So you're thinking, yeah, they kicked the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, why'd it go six games? Let's look at the power play. Washington goes seven for 24 
Florida goes 0 for 18. This has to be the first time I've ever seen a team win a series without without a power play goal. Yeah, I can't recall that myself. And and especially when it's the Florida Panthers who were a top five team on the power play this season. And with all the scoring they did, you know, they scored the most goals of, of any team in the NHL. And a lot of those came from the power play as well. So to see them get completely shut out uh, was pretty crazy and uh, maybe a little bit worrisome for this Florida team. Yeah, it's definitely something you have to figure out in round two instantly because you're meeting, spoiler alert, the Tampa Bay Lightning again. You know, the defending champs who have now won nine series in a row. Yeah, you're going to have to have your power play clicking. And not only that, your goaltending has to take another step up because Bobrovsky just was not that good in this series. I mean, he's walking away with a .906 save percentage after those six games. That's not going to get it done against that Tampa Bay Lightning team. I may be of the minority, but... I think Spencer Knight's their starting goalie. And if they lose without him in net, then it's a wasted playoff run. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough, right? Cause you're paying the man $10 million to essentially sit on the bench. So, but I agree, man, Spencer Knight is that next, is that next goalie protege. And, and he was the better goalie last playoffs for this team as well. And he was the reason why they ended up, you know, winning a couple games when they were down three uh, one, the 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 previous season. So, um, let's give a little bit of a on the stretch before playoffs this year too. Like he was, oh gross. yeah, he was, and a bit of a shout out to uh, Carter Verhage, who is absolutely the main reason this thing is not going to uh, seven games here because he had an outstanding, outstanding six games for this Florida Panthers team. I mean, scoring six goals and six assists for 12 points, averaging two points per game. I mean, that came out of left field, eh? Yeah, I mean, who would have seen that coming on Verhage, right? Like, Plus now he owns, I believe, the only five-point playoff game in Panthers history. Yeah, yeah, it, unbelievable stuff from him. So he stepped up in a big way and is currently second in the in playoff scoring right now behind McJesus. So um, credit to him because that's unbelievable. But a um, bit of a yeah. shocking start to the series. I mean, Washington ended up taking game one, four to two. Florida answers in a big way, of course, winning a big 5-1 game. And then the series gets shifted over to Washington and then they blow out the Panthers 6-1 in that game three there. And then, man, game four ends up going to Florida, but an overtime victory. And, man, it could have been a much different series if Washington pulled that out in overtime. Uh, like, this this could have been an upset. It was close to it. We have not seen anywhere close to Florida's best hockey. No, they've definitely still got a ways to go if they're going to be the Florida team that everybody thought they were coming into playoffs, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, I mean, Samsonov, 9-12 save percentage. He wasn't that bad for the Caps. Obviously, you know, better numbers than Bobrovsky, who ends up winning the series. And then, you know, we got to shout out TJ Oshie again. Six games played, six goals, too, for that Capitals team. Uh, he was lights out. And he's going to be an interesting uh, guy for this Capitals team moving forward. Is he, you know, is he going to stay? What are they going to do? Are they going to keep this group? And they're going to, you know... It, they are getting a bit older. That, that's the one thing. This team is getting a bit older, but do you think they kind of keep that core together? 
I think so because he had uh he just signed that deal with Washington not that long ago, correct? I want to say yeah, like last year, two years ago. I want to say it was like three years ago now, but but it was a big deal. So I mean, chances are he's going to be there for for a little while still. But yeah, I think when he signed it, he said like he's finishing with Washington and he's got a modified no trade. So I think he's going to be wherever he wants. No, that's fair. That's fair. I like that. And I, I think so too. I mean, that, that just makes the most sense. Right. So um, moving on here um, again, another seven game series. And this one was between the hurricanes and the Bruins. And let's talk about this one, man, because uh, I'm pretty sure every home team won their game in this one. So, again, an- another close, close series. Yeah, and uh, I think we skipped over one fact for the Florida series. Yeah, hit before me. Before we go to Carolina, that you nailed it being done in six games. Oh, yes. Yeah, I did. Uh, you know what? It's yeah, I kind of guessed it. Yeah, I don't know. I just guessed it right. Let's just go with that. It was kind of lucky, but uh, I thought Washington would show some good fight, and I knew like Tom Wilson and Oshie and guys were kind of getting healthier for that team, and and they would have some push. So yeah, that's what we ended up seeing, and it, it was a very close series. So thanks for the plus one on that. I appreciate it. All over it, you were, but yeah, yeah every home game for the Carolina Boston series, like. We both predicted it going seven, but I didn't exactly see it going seven like that. Yeah, it was interesting because, again, another one where no games were really close until it came back, came down to that game seven. eh? Yeah, it was just like blowout after blowout after blowout. It was like, well, the second period's over. I can put a different game on. Yeah, it really felt like after game one and two where Carolina won 5-1 and 5-2, I was like, okay, this is not going game seven. Like, I just can't see it happening after that. And then Boston comes back, wins 4-2, and then 5-2 in games three and four. And all of a sudden you have a series. Yeah, I mean, I think the turning point, obviously going home to Boston helped. Marshawn, that was the game he, you know, showed up in the playoffs. And I think the big turning point, though, is they turned to Swayman. I don't know why they didn't go to Swayman in game two. I don't, I didn't think Olmark played that great. Like I sh- thought, sure, the first 35 minutes of the game, he played pretty well. But then as soon as it, that two-on-one that went across and they went back bar on him, I thought after that, he just did not play well. So I thought you'd go to Swayman for game two. They didn't. Olmark got lit up again. And then Swayman came in and I thought he played well. He did, man. I was I was completely shocked that we didn't see Swayman after game one, to be honest. I was I was shocked that um we didn't see Swayman in the net for game one. I was completely shocked they went with Allmark. And Swayman's been the better goalie and most consistent goalie for them this season. So the fact he didn't even start the series was shocking to me. Yeah, that was definitely a mind bottler. Here's a couple other uh maybe why Boston lost. McAvoy obviously had a great series, right? Despite being out the one game for COVID. Had five points in six games. He outscored all the other Boston defensemen put together with five points. That can't happen. Lindholm, I know he got hurt, but he goes pointless in the series. You can't, you got to get something there. Yeah, you're bringing him in to make a difference, right? And again, that's a guy who has offense in his game and should be putting up some kind of points, so... That's not a good luck for those defensemen in that series. No, like that hurts, especially when everybody knows, like, and all the Boston fans online were saying after the game, game seven there, like that 
could have been Bergeron's last game as a Bruin. And that's the, how everyone showed up for that series is just brutal. Yeah, that, that is crazy to think about, actually. Um, it very well could be. And it, it's funny you bring up the lack of scoring for defensemen on Boston because it was actually the opposite for Carolina. Um, Jakob Slavin, eight points, was tied for the lead or for the lead for Carolina in this series for points. So um, you have defensemen getting it done on the Carolina side, of course. So even Tony D'Angelo had seven assists in the series and that led that Carolina team in assists. So uh, their defensemen had no problem putting up points. So um, that definitely was a big X factor for the series. And uh, I guess credit to Anti Ranta too, because, you know, he did step up and play good when he needed to. And he came away with a 927 save percentage in the series as well. Yeah. I thought both of Carolina's goalies actually played well. I mean, I'm not going to shit on Kachikov for being a third string goalie and thrown in there and playing well. I was like, I think he's 20, right? 20 or 21. Yeah. He is. A, like he's he a, is young a young guy kid. like that. Yeah. So I thought he played pretty well there. Obviously, like you said, Slavin and D'Angelo just carried the defense back there. Slavin's just disgusting defensively too. Did you see in that game seven, him just shut down Marshawn, just carry him around yeah. the wall, strip him, and then break out. It's like, wow, that's, that's what makes nice. him so deadly though. He's such a good defensive defenseman. Like he's such a good stick reads plays block shots. Well, cuts guys off. Well, just does everything so well, all the little things. And then the fact that he tied this Carolina team in points as a defensive defenseman, like talk about, they're stud for the series, I would think. I actually have him wrote down as their MVP so far. Yeah, I would completely agree with that, man. It was uh, quite the quite the effort from them. And, uh, you know, the, the fact that, you know, they pulled off the win 3-2 in that game 7, very tight one. And Boston came close, man. You know, it was, what, 20-some 20, 20 seconds left. They tied, or they came within one goal, sorry. They made it 3-2, and it... It became a pretty exciting uh, last few moments in that hockey game. But ultimately, um, they had some players step up. Max Domi, he stepped up in that game seven, put up a three-point spot too. So uh, that's another player they acquired at the deadline that uh, was kind of a quiet acquisition. But uh, anytime you know he gets in on all three goals in a game seven, that is absolutely huge. Yeah, it's those depth players that come through in the series and help you go far, right? Like, you need a deep team, and that just proves it. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, yeah, credit to Carolina, man. They're going to be moving on to that second round. And uh, you know who else is moving on to that second round? The Tampa Bay Lightning after beating the Toronto Maple Leafs in another gritty, gritty performance. Like you said, winning their ninth series in a row in another game seven and another game seven collapse for this Toronto Maple Leafs team, man. Ah, I'm not going with that. That was not a collapse. That was a fucking good game seven. Oh, it was, but I mean, another collapse in the playoffs. Let's just say it that way. I mean, it was an amazing game last night. I was on my, my heels and my toes and my toes and my heels watching it all, all night there. And man, again, uh, just, just, Toronto loses game six in overtime and they lose game seven and they bounced in the, in the first round once again. And uh, they're the first, first team of all major sports to do that five years in a row. So tough for them, man. And uh, yeah, this one just felt a little different because you know, every, all everyone's talking about is that, you know, 
what else do you do? Basically, I think they pretty much got to bring back this same team. This 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 team's amazing. They're they're awesome. They just lost an incredible battle. That's that's all it was, right? Yeah, I like I think I agree with you. I think you might need just a little bit more of a shooter's mentality from your defenseman maybe because they don't really have anyone on the point that will shoot the puck. And you saw the few times they did, like it was successful. Like you had Giordano put it to the net a couple times and get some tips that ended up in the back. Riley gets that game seven rifle. He probably had a couple, couple chances to get another good look on net. I mean, their forwards are kind of doing their job, right? Like you got your top four forwards lead your team in scoring through the playoffs. They're, they're doing their job usually. Mm-hmm. I thought Muzzin had a good series. I mean, obviously, like you said, just Tampa Bay was just a monster. They're just unrelenting. They keep going. They keep that streak of not losing twice in a row going for their ninth straight series because that obviously started after they got swept by Columbus. Yeah, I didn't think either goalie was really that good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially early on, right? Like uh, you, you take a look at those scores in uh, games one to four and, you know, five, nothing Toronto, then five, three Tampa. Then, you know, you go to Tampa, Toronto puts up another five piece and a five, two victory. Then Tampa Bay answers right back with a huge victory, seven to three in game four. And then, you know, after that, that's kind of where, you know, things became absolutely tight, like super tight. Toronto takes game five, four to three. Then Tampa has that comeback victory to win four, three in overtime in game six to push the game seven. And then we have an absolute battle last night in game seven, where uh, again, another, another non-talked about acquisition for the Tampa Bay lightning, you know, kind of one of those depth guys, third line guy, Nick Paul does it all scores two goals. And, uh, ultimately wins that game for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly like we just talked with Carolina, right? It's going to be your Mm -hmm. depth players that you're able to bring in and make your team deep that's going to give them success. Yeah, and, you know, they they had to acquire a couple other players like that to try to rebuild that third line that was so good the last two seasons for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and those players are proving that they're stepping up into those roles. So uh, this Tampa Bay team just doesn't give up, man. They're not done winning cups just yet. It's going to be interesting to watch that battle of Florida in the next round because that Braden Point injury at the end of Game 7 there, that it's going to be big. Like, that's a hole you can't really replace. No, no. And, you know, who's led that team in playoff scoring the last two seasons? Braden Point. So um, that's a that's a huge loss for that team. And, and it did not look good. He looked like he was in some serious pain. Definitely tweaked something on that right leg, knee area potentially. Um, yeah, he sat on the bench the rest of the game. That was pretty cool to see that, that he sat on the bench and stayed with his team. But, uh, yeah, that did not look good for Braden Point. Well, you want to be a good teammate, right? Cheer the boys on. You don't want to just go to the room and then get changed and watch the game, have some popcorn and a hot dog from the stands. You're going to go through it with the boys. Yeah, and and like you said, that next series, uh, you know, between uh, Florida and Tampa there, 
going to be a battle of the Russian goaltenders and, and two goaltenders who haven't put up the great stats so far. I mean, credit to Vasilevsky. He, he played unbelievable in that game seven and, you know, really stepped up in those last two games of the series. But, you know, he's still carrying an 897 save percentage into that next round. And like we talked about with Bobrovsky, only a 906 too. So um, something's got to give with one of those two goaltenders. Yeah, I mean, you've got to think, the only thing that I kind of would lean towards Florida would be is if both goalies suck, Florida's got the significantly better second goaltender. They have someone to rely on. They can fall back to. I don't know. Big if time. Does. Yeah. And I just don't think, you know, even if Vasilevsky gets blown out a couple games in a row, still think you end up going with him because of that anyways. Right. I mean, Oh yeah. They don't really have anyone else to put in there. Exactly. So there, it's going to be, he's going to be their guy no matter what going forward. So yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. And then, you know, moving on Durham, of course, our last series, another one that gets pushed to a game seven tonight in New York city too. It's a big, big game seven. You know, we got the Rangers versus the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, uh, are you ready for this one? Never. Never oh, am. you should be absolutely ready for this one. You should be pumped up watching your team in a big game seven. And uh, it does sound like there's going to be some players returning for this Pittsburgh team tonight. Yeah, it kind of sounds like, you know, Crosby and Jerry are going to play and possibly Raquel as well. So if they get those three back, like <sighs> blow out Pittsburgh. Yeah. And uh, this has been a shocking series for a couple reasons, because, I mean, you look at some of the scores, some of the blowouts. I mean, Pittsburgh putting up a seven-piece in back-to-back games, uh, you know, against one of the Hart nominee players uh, in Shesterkin. Things like that I just didn't expect to see. Um, but there's been some gutsy performances in this series. And uh, yeah, give me your thoughts, man. I want to I wanna hear more from your side because I know you've been dialed into these games. So, uh, you know, what's shocked you the most? That Pittsburgh was still in it when they went to an all AHL goaltending duo. Like, honestly, honestly, if Pittsburgh had an NHL goalie, this series was done in five games. They would have killed them. They've been significantly the better team in every aspect of this series other than the, like bad breaks. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I've, I've seen some advanced, you know, stats from this series and it's pretty mind boggling because Pittsburgh is the top analytical team of the playoffs so far. And the Rangers, of course, being the worst uh, in that sense. So uh, it's been crazy to see that this is actually getting pushed to a game seven. But like you said, with Louis D- Dominique having to, take the reins in net after DeSmith leaving in that first game because of uh, dehydration, correct? Uh, no, he actually had muscle something happen with his stomach and had to get core surgery. Oh, really? Okay. I thought it was a dehydration thing. I, I uh, That's kind of what was speculated, I guess, uh, when he first left that game because it did go to triple overtime, and that's the only game we've seen actually – go to you know get past the first overtime there hasn't been a double overtime so you know it's pretty intense to see that triple overtime game one and uh yeah didn't Shesterkin end up getting like the second most amount of saves 
like ever in a in a playoffs or something like that. It was intense. Yeah, I think he had the second most saves in a playoff game ever with seventy nine. Yeah, not which bad. is crazy. No, not too bad. Imagine having seventy nine saves work. and you don't win the game. Yeah, not only that, but you still don't lead the playoffs in saves. <laughs> He's not far. <laughs> he will after tonight. Yeah, yeah, it's true. He 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 will after tonight, unless he lets three in and four shots and he gets pulled oh, right pulled. away. Ooh. Oh, if he gets pulled in like the first eight minutes, I'm gonna be so ecstatic. I'll just be sprinting around my apartment, going banana lands. <laughs> yeah, that would be a sight. Uh, don't put it past this Rangers team because they have been god awful on the defensive side of the puck. But uh, give me a quick prediction of what's gonna happen tonight, man. Game seven. What's your score? I know everyone's been saying like, oh, you got to bet the under in a game seven. Pittsburgh is undefeated in game sevens on the road. Six and oh, six and oh in game sevens on the road. That's fucking crazy. That shit's going to stay. We're going with it. The Rangers are getting fucking pounced. Six one Pittsburgh. Whoa, big, big prediction here. I like it. I am using that on the fact that Sid and Jari are both playing. Yeah, that's going to be huge to get Jari back in the in between the pipes for Pittsburgh and uh you know, take over the reins from Louis Dominique. That that right there alone gives them a huge advantage. Uh you know, it's crazy to say that when uh when Shesterkin is in the other goal, but um that's kind of how it's been. So Shesterkin's been very very bad in this series. Yeah, he has not done well. I mean, unfortunately, he hasn't been getting a whole lot of help. Like, there's been a lot of deflections and cross-ice passes, so, like, they haven't been protecting the front of the house at all. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that's what it's been all year for them, right? you got to find a way to win four games out of seven. they got to find a way to shut down Adam Fox tonight as well, who uh, leads that Rangers team in points with nine right now. And he kind of got off to a slow start, and then, you know, and then he really took off. Yeah, what do you have? Four assists last game. Yeah, so not too bad. Yeah, he, he kind of exploded there a bit, and and the reason why he's leading in points. But uh, Jake Getzel, man, gets it done no matter who he's playing with out there, leading that Pittsburgh team with uh, with nine points. I believe he's tied with uh, is he tied with Cross there? Yep. Yeah, and uh, he's got seven goals in the series. If he scores one more, he will tie Crosby and Ovechkin for the most goals in a single series among active players. Wow, that's impressive stuff right there, man. Not going to lie. It's going to be an exciting Game 7 tonight, man. We've been blessed all weekend with Game 7s, and they have not disappointed whatsoever. Um, But Durham, we have uh, to move on to uh, some predictions for our second round here. So uh, why don't we go ahead and do that? All right, yeah, we'll uh, start with, what do you think, the two that are decided, and then we'll do our uh, hypothetical series? Yes, I like that. I like that. Let's uh, maybe start uh, over. We'll we'll hop back over to the Western Conference here. All right, Colorado and St. Louis. All right, so what do you got here? We got a big matchup. I got a series going the distance. You know, uh, Bennington looks good. I mean, Kemper's been fantastic too, but coming back from my injury, and they weren't entirely tested against Nashville, right? Like St. Louis is going to bring the body against Colorado. They're going to really test their players, get physical. 
I think this is going to be a Colorado in seven. Wow. I like it. And, and it's funny because anytime you have a team sweep and they're sitting around those few extra days, it's, it's usually go, goes against that team. Doesn't it? It's not always good to, uh, to end that series early and then face somebody who's a bit more battle tested. It, it doesn't necessarily help that team who swept in the first round or, or whatever round. Yeah. I think if, two teams meet up in a round and in the previous round, one team swept and the other team went seven games. The team that went seven games wins that series like three out of four times. Yeah. Which is a pretty unbelievable stat there. Um, I love this matchup. This is going to be super exciting. I'm going to say Colorado in six. I think they're going to break Jordan Bennington down again. And uh, there's going to be, you know, some action between both goalies again, between Bennington and, and Huso in net for St. Louis. I just, again, I think Colorado, they're just on a mission this year. And uh, I think they're just going to take this one in six, even though it's going to be uh, a fairly close series and some really exciting games. Uh, I just got Colorado in six on this one. I like it. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's jump over to the East. We have another series that is determined, of course, and that is uh, the Florida Panthers going up against the Tampa Bay Lightning, like we kind of already talked about a little bit, but uh, give me your thoughts and uh, predictions for this second-round matchup. Oh, this one haunts me because, like, I know last round I said you can't go against Tampa until they're out, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm weighing right now is I don't want to go against Tampa. and. I think if Florida puts Knight in net, I honestly think they're going to beat Tampa. But with Bobrovsky, I don't think so. I think Tampa Bay is deeper. I don't think he's on it this year like he was last couple of years playoffs. Not last year, obviously, but I mean, like when he was in Columbus, his last couple of playoffs, he was sick. And yeah, I just think without Knight, they're not going to be able to topple Tampa. And I'm going to go Tampa in six. Yeah, I like it. Like, uh, you know, that's a fair prediction. Um, I'm going to have to stick with my roots because, you know, I did have Florida obviously winning in six, then Tampa winning in seven. So, so far I'm right there and I'm going to go with Florida because I think they are going to be very, very motivated to beat this Tampa team. A little bit extra motivation because, you know, losing to them in the previous, uh, previous season there. And I think they're going to have to step it up if they're going to get that done. They're going to have to turn it up a notch because their first round wasn't exactly that great. So I don't know. It's going to be fun, man. Uh, the state of Florida going after it together in the second round. That's going to be uh, pretty exciting to see. But I will take Florida. And, oh, man, I don't know how many games. I'm going to say six because Ooh. I don't think Braden Point is going to be in this series. So, uh, I'm going to go Florida in six. That's probably what I would have said if I knew Knight was playing. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's going to be, you know, there's some big question marks heading into this series. But, um, yeah, in my opinion, I think Florida's a little deeper. The one thing that does worry me is Ekblad does look pretty banged up right now. And I don't know, it's funny being banged up and then he still was like a point a game. Yeah, he was still great, but... Um, 
Yeah, he kind of looked like he was limping off a bit there after game six. So uh, that'll be interesting. Those are, you know, two massive players, one for each team. So you eliminate them. Things get pretty interesting right off the bat in that series. But, uh, man, it's going to be an absolute war out there between these two teams. You know what's interesting is Uyghur doesn't have points yet. Or if he does, he has one assist. Like, if Florida can get him going, they might be on to something. And they're going to have to if if Ekblad is out, eh? Yeah. Yeah, big time. So, all right, you got Tampa in six. I got Florida in six. That'll be an exciting one. Let's move on to some series here. Maybe we'll do some hypotheticals depending on which team actually moves on. And starting over, we'll jump back to the West here. And Edmonton is either going to be playing the Dallas Stars or the Calgary Flames tonight. Um, And I'll take this one first. I think if Edmonton ends up playing Dallas, I think Edmonton wins. If Edmonton plays Calgary, I want to see Edmonton win, but I think Calgary wins in seven. But Edmonton will win in six against Dallas. Okay, so Edmonton in six and Calgary in seven. Yep. That's kind of what I think. I, I just think Edmonton matches up against Dallas a little bit better uh, with some of the speed they can bring. Um, but Otinger is going to be the X factor again. Uh, whichever goalie comes out of that series is really going to be the X factor. But uh, I, I still think, yeah, it's going to be a close one, man. I'm going to throw it over to you now. What do you think? I I think I got to agree with you. I think Edmonton can beat Dallas. I don't think they can beat Calgary. So I think like goaltending is obviously going to be a struggle. Sure. They just had Mike Smith just had a hell of a series, but the guy's still 40. Like I'm not hundred percent sure. And it's been Mike Smith all season, right? Like his ups and downs. So is he yeah. going to stay up or is he going to go down? I think Edmonton can yeah. beat Dallas in seven games. Cause I do think it's going to be a seesaw battle. I don't think Edmonton's consistent enough. And I think Calgary would take them out and, six i'll go with the opposite to what you had cool i like it i like it but i am definitely definitely here for uh the battle of alberta really hoping that happens i mean uh i don't have the specific year but it, it was back in the 80s the last time these two teams met in the playoffs which seems absolutely bonkers but if we get this matchup in the playoffs in the second round as well uh, it's going to be complete carnage out there yeah, I'm definitely hoping for a battle of Alberta too. Like written on the wall, it's definitely going to be a, a Zach Cassian versus Milan Lucic uh, fight at some point. You'd think, eh? Oh, you'd think so, oh, for man. sure. I, Matthew Kachuk will grab Evan Bouchard for some reason. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. It, it would be an absolutely amazing series. Being able to see the battle of Alberta, and then, and then the you know the state of Florida going after it both in second rounds like that to advance to the conference finals. I mean, what more do you want in playoff hockey? I guess a battle of Ontario too. Yeah. I want all three at the same time. I'm like, I do too. I want to see the Sens back in the playoffs, but I might be a couple of years away. So uh, yeah, we might have to wait on that one. But uh, let's hop over to our last series. And again, another hypothetical, depending on what happens tonight. And uh, yeah, I don't think it matters which team moves on. I got Carolina beating whichever team in, 
I think it would be six against the Rangers. I think the Penguins can push it to seven. So you think Carolina six against the Rangers, Carolina seven against Penguins. Correct. Yeah. I fuck. I kind of want to agree with you. Like Carolina's probably going to win no matter who they play. But the way Pittsburgh's playing right now, if you give them a goddamn goalie, holy shit. Never mind if you give them Jerry, who had a fantastic season this year. Like I was looking forward to him having a rebound playoff considering what happened last year. Yeah, he's had a couple rough playoffs in a row. I'll say Carolina in five against the Rangers and Pittsburgh in seven. If they have healthy players. If not, it's probably Carolina in six. Yeah, Carolina is going to be a very, very tough out in that second round. Um, And they just got battle-tested hard against Boston. So um, you can only imagine. And I wonder what the the state of uh, their goaltending health right now is with Freddie Anderson. Last I I seen was he, quote, touched the ice. Yeah, like put on skates, did a lap and got off, something like that. Yeah, I think so. Like, that's exactly what Brandon Moore said was Freddie Anderson touched the ice today. So take from that what you want. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a, an interesting thing to to keep an eye on for sure. And uh, yeah, man, second round, there's going to be some fun betting to do, isn't there? Oh, there's fun betting to do in every round. Exactly. Unless you're losing, then it's never that fun. <laughs> and that's why uh, DraftKings is going to hook you up with some awesome exclusive offers going on here Kraken fans and uh, that's because the pursuit for the Stanley Cup playoffs is on and DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NHL has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports that's right new customers can bet just five dollars on any team to win and get one hundred dollars in free bets no matter what happens win or lose So looking to turn a small bet into a big parlay during the playoffs? Well, with DraftKings Sportsbook, same game parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at even a bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. And Durham, let's move on to a little edition of Tossing You Into the Deep End Playoff Edition. Are you ready for a couple hard questions? I am always ready. Perfect. We're going to start things off with uh, what series has been the most shocking so far in the first round? I will say Calgary-Dallas because I genuinely did not see that going seven games or it being this tight of a goalie battle. Like, who saw this coming from Oettinger? Not me. 
So yeah, not, I'm going to go with that. Not at all. <laughs> I certainly didn't. And uh, I like that because it has been shocking. And uh, the amount of goals especially has been shocking. And that actually sets me up perfectly for my next question for you because I was going to ask – Man, there's been a lot of goaltending changes, a lot of crazy things in these creases so far in the first round. Who has been the best goalie out of all of them? That's funny, actually, because I'm going to say whoever wins game seven tonight between Calgary and Dallas has been the best goaltending, best goalie so far. And that makes perfect sense because they are one and two in save percentage so far. I'm pretty sure. I know Kemper was right up there as well. Um, but I believe they're one and two. So, uh, I would have to agree with you there. And so far, yeah, I'd say Otinger has been the best goalie in the playoffs. Yeah. I think he's just been gross. I mean, the guy's got 10 goals against him in six games. Yeah. It's, that's just unbelievable. And the amount of saves he's, he's having to make in some of these games and, you know, Calgary is a tough, tough team and he's doing an excellent job of shutting things down. And, uh, Dallas is, uh, you know, big defensemen are doing a good job of not, not letting too much crap get in front of Otinger there. But, uh, every time you see Otinger play, he's making a, just an unbelievable save each game. Like, uh, like, you know, a huge desperation save as well. So he's coming in clutch everywhere. Yeah, he's definitely going to be the reason they win this series if they do. Yep, 100%. That and Joe Pavelski, of course. But uh, I like it. Moving on to the third question here for you. We're through with round one, pretty much. And uh, so far, who would be your pick for the Conn Smythe Trophy? Ooh, wow. There's actually... Uh... <sighs> There's a few, right? Like, obviously, I hate to say it again, but whichever goalie comes out of this series is going to be one of the leaders. You got Kale McCarr in Colorado has been dominantly disgusting. I mean, O'Reilly and Perron probably deserve to be talked about for St. Louis. McDavid has 14 points. Verhage had, like, every single point Florida scored. <laughs> yeah, they're, nonetheless, like, there are... Mm-hmm. Uh, a handful of selections. So this one is actually pretty tough when you, when you think about it. I think at the end of the day, when you look at like Colin Smythe is the most valuable again, how do you say anyone is more valuable to their team than Connor McDavid? Yeah. Considering he averaged two points per game again and uh, you know, game six and seven, you know, he rose to the occasion when it mattered the most. And when he scored that goal last night in game seven to make it two nothing, uh, you could see some of that raw emotion coming out in McDavid that we don't always see all the time. That was a hell of a celebration from him. But yeah, when you're leading the playoffs, 14 points in seven games, and um, obviously you got to be at the top of that list. And uh yeah, I'd say those two goaltenders but, for sure between Markstrom and Ottinger are right there. But uh, for me, I'd the, have Kale McCarr right there too. Yeah, I think like if you had to vote right now, I think those are your top three. Whichever goalie wins there, McDavid and McCarr. But going back to McDavid, now that you brought up that goal, I actually forgot to say this earlier when we were talking about the series. But something I hope every single kid or young athlete watching that clip takes away from it is McDavid draws the penalty, doesn't get the shot off, right? The first little brush in. 
He doesn't look around to the refs for a split second to see if they're calling a penalty. He's just, fuck you, this is going in the net one way or another. He doesn't blink, doesn't hesitate, just strips the puck, goes through the next guy, and puts it in the net. If he hesitates looking around for that call like most kids do nowadays, like, oh, he hooked me. Who gives a shit that he hooked you? Your job is to put the goddamn puck in the net, and that's what, like, that was leadership shit from McDavid right there. No looking around, yeah. just hard play. This is going in the net. Oh, so so determined right now, McDavid is. You could just see it, see it in the in the way he's playing right now. And you know, of course, best player in the world. Um, you know, he's gonna go lights off, but he looks so determined right now, man. It's it's unbelievable. And yeah, you make an awesome point there. And definitely don't do what Sean Dersey did on that play, where you know, as soon as he noticed the ref's hand went up from hooking McDavid. He literally stopped competing, looked at the ref, threw his arms up, and gave McDavid, you know, half a second to be able to do whatever he wanted because he took his eyes off McDavid and McDavid just walked, uh, you know, up around the net there in the slot and was able to backhand one uh, top shelf. So uh, bad look on Sean Dersey on that play. And that was their season done. Just one like that. Split. So. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So, um, last question for you to hear, Durham. I think this one's kind of easy. We'll end off with an easy one. But does a Canadian team make it to the Cup final? We've seen all three Canadian teams go to a Game Seven, and only two of them—well, only one of them—has survived so far. So, almost said two there, but only one has survived. Uh no, I don't think there's a. Well, there's a slim chance, but. I think the best chance died with Toronto because if Calgary does win, they're going to play each other. Yep. But that automatically puts one of them through for sure to the conference final, but to play against Colorado or St. Louis who are both probably like, they both probably play the same style of game, St. Louis and Calgary and Edmonton and Colorado. And I'd say Colorado and St. Louis are probably both better at it than Calgary or Edmonton. I think so too. Um, especially seeing Calgary once again in the playoffs, struggling to score. That seems to be the the story every time Calgary gets into the playoffs. They tricked me this year, sons of bitches. I said that going into our playoff preview too. Like I'm usually always so against Calgary, but this year, like ah, it might be different. I'm gonna I'll root for them to win a first round this time. And now look it, they're just like, ha, we're the same Calgary Flames, you big dumb idiot. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, all the credit to Oettinger again. Uh, he's just been lights out and uh, a big reason why that's happening. But uh, it is a bit scary. I'd be a bit nervous being a Flames fan. Again, seeing the struggle to score, uh, it just seems to be the story uh, all the time. But uh, Durham, one last thing before we end this podcast off, and uh, let's hit him with a bit of a stat of the week because we could still do this whether or not the Seattle Kraken are in the playoffs. And uh, man, this one has a, has a Pittsburgh Penguins connection. So I'm going to throw this one over to you and hope it brings some good juju, some good vibes to tonight's game seven for you. Oh, why thank you. And I certainly hope it does too. Cause we're going to be shouting out Sid, the kid ironic name out of these like mid thirties, but who now owns the fourth fastest playoff game 
like for fewest amount of playoff games, sorry, to reach 200 playoff points. In just 178 games, he has 200 playoff points. The only players that he trails were a trio of Edmonton Oilers from the 80s. Mark Messier, who did it in 148 games. Yari Curry, who did it in 142 games. And some guy you might have heard of named Wayne Gretzky, who hit 200 playoff points in 95 freaking playoff games. Are you kidding me? That is bonkers, dude. When I seen this stat, my jaw hit the floor. Like 200 playoff points, and it took him 95 games. And the next closest is 142. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I couldn't believe it when I read that too. Another little uh, good good vibes for Sid needs one more point to si- to tie Yager for fifth all-time playoff with 201 and he needs one more assist to take sole possession of fifth all-time with 130. Wow, yeah, he continues to climb the ranks and that's another reason why I would I'd love to see the Pittsburgh Penguins pull through and Sid the kid to continue to put up numbers because uh, once again, he's got what nine points uh, in this series. And he he's always a show when it comes to playoffs and he always steps up. So I'd love to see him continue to rack up those playoff points in the 2022 NHL playoffs, my man. Yeah. I mean, if you really look at how the series and when he left it, it says he's got five games played, but, if you really break it down and look at the time, he's got nine points and four and a half games played because he left before halfway through the second period. Like, that's disgusting at 35. It is 34. disgusting. Yeah, it is. It's it's unbelievable. But, uh, you know, Durham, I think that wraps up the podcast here. And uh, it is time to get the puck out of here, Durham. And thanks for everybody for tuning in to episode 33 Join us in two more weeks as we break down that second round of playoff hockey and, of course, give our mock draft for the top 16 picks of the 2022 NHL draft and, of course, keep you up to date with all NHL news and all things Kraken. So have a great couple of weeks, everyone, and peace out, Kraken Nation.